you can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. So I'm a 21-year-old French girl, and I'm sorry about my English. I'm also a student in Lille, France. So... Tired of not finding true love, I decided to lose my virginity with my best friend. Then I found a fantastic hookup friend, which I get along with wonderfully on all levels. And we were together for about three months. But it was around this time that they then say that they still love their ex. So being fragile as I was, I actually attempted to take my own life. I go to the emergency ward and then the mental hospital as well. For the smart ones among you, you'll have to understand that I was already depressed for a few months. Under treatment is what I mean, with a strong penchant for alcohol as well. And to complete this auto-destruction mechanism, what better way than dating apps, right? So, a few weeks after my release from the mental hospital, I match up to make some new encounters and I forgot about my dear and tender hookup friend. I always meet guys at their home for a first date because I have zero experience and that's what I did for my very first date too. So one day I match with this guy and let's call him Matthew. Matthew's not a a very handsome guy and has a few extra pounds but I'm not Beyonce either let's be honest so I match him. 
We laugh a little bit, we have some common tastes, and he smokes some weed, so I thought, well, perfect. We can plan to smoke, and then we can just, you know, get it on. He gives me some personal information, like his address. No idea if it's the real one, mind you, and his job, or rather, old job, I should say. He just got fired, apparently. Work or not work, to be honest, I just didn't really care at this point. I don't want to do my life with him anyway, it was just a, a quick hookup. So I explained to him that I'm a bit fragile and that I came out of a, a kind of mental clinic, that I'm depressed and blah blah blah. It's all for the sole purpose of making him understand that he shouldn't play with me. I also tell him that I'm looking for just a fun time, but still with some discussion and some hugs and whatnot, and not just a shot in like 20 minutes and it's done sort of thing. He assures me that that is what he is looking for too and that he's actually very cuddly and so I thought perfect. After one or two days of discussion we agreed on a date, a mojito party at my house and he can bring some joints. Matthew arrives and he is not cute at all, even worse than in the photos. He has a dirty look like greasy hair, stained t-shirt... It was like the style of a teenager who didn't know how to dress himself, despite him being 26 years old. In short, I'm far from excited, but I desperately need the company. I offer to make him the drinks while I choose a film on television, and he runs and passes on the kitchen side to prepare two mojitos before joining me on the sofa. We talk a bit. He's not very smart and not very interesting either. I drown in my drink, hoping to animate the party alone. But this is where there is a three-day blackout. So, according to dear Matthew, we would have drunk and smoked while watching a film before going into the bedroom. I vaguely remember being naked on my bed and seeing him dressed above me, looking at me before turning his heels and just slamming the door. My phone is discharging and my alarm clock is not ringing. I'm away from a work group appointment so my friends are worried and they call me. They can't contact me, so they contact my sister, but she also goes to voicemail. The girls apparently come down from my house and ring again and again, but there's no answer. They call the fireman who managed to open the bottom door, but not the door to my apartment. They knock on the door calling me and I end up opening the door, dressed in a blanket to hide my nakedness. I look at them with just what they described as incomprehension. The firemen conclude that I'm hungover and break up while my friends help me get dressed and whatnot. They also think that I drank too much. But they notice that my body is covered with what looks like yellow betadine on my arms, legs, stomach, etc. I told them that I burned my arm yesterday and that I wanted to heal myself, but there was no sign of a burn or anything on my arm. Besides, I don't even have betadine. They take my cat and take me back to one of their houses since I'm in just a completely comatose state. I have trouble speaking, I look completely elsewhere as anaesthetized and I even seem to have trouble thinking. The next day my sister comes to pick me up so that I can stay with her for a few days. Everyone is convinced that I tried to end my life again with drugs or alcohol or something but I try to tell them that that wasn't the case. But I start complaining about pain in the vulva area and blood loss as well. My pill stops my period completely. So my sister takes me to the hospital at this point. I explain to them that there may have been unprotected sex since I was well, pretty much unconscious. There is an AIDS vaccine and 
stuff that you can get and I'm advised to file a complaint and I'm being redirected to the OB emergency room. The next day I finally regain consciousness gently and my relatives see it right away. I'm a little bit more lively and my remarks are a little bit more consistent. They meet me in the emergency place and I get swabs done and I get a preventative AIDS treatment. And so over the course of a week, I made a series of appointments for blood samples, urine samples, etc. And I went to file a complaint with the testimony of my friends who met me at home and my sister who took care of me as well. And after talking about it around me to people my age, older people as well, but especially medical staff and the police, the term organ trafficking was more than mentioned. They think that the guy must have chickened out right at the last minute. So despite my complaint, my bed full of betadine, my underwear torn off and the blood on the doors of my apartment, which was weird right, my attacker apparently got nothing out of me in the end and I'll never know what really happened that night and I guess what he really wanted too. I would like to point out too that I used to drink and smoke in addition to my treatment and that never before had happened where I blacked out for like three days. But in the end, I got lucky that night. Thankfully, I didn't have AIDS or any sort of sexually transmitted disease and also thankfully, I didn't seem to have been sexually assaulted or anything. But I am pretty sure that he put something in my drink that night and that he had intentions to take something from me that I'm pretty confident on. When I was 16 or 17, I was coming home to Brooklyn from a movie in Manhattan with my friends. I was the only one who lived in BK, so I worked home from the train alone. I was used to being out late by myself. I had midnight curfew, but I frequently broke it because I didn't think nothing bad would ever happen to me. That despite an uptick of assaults and all sorts of stuff in our neighborhood at the time too. This night, however, I was actually slated to get home on time for once. It was the summer after I graduated high school and I was feeling amazing. I had a little to drink and a little to smoke and I felt like I was on top of the world. It was really hot out too and I remember that I was wearing this long sheer cape thing and a very tight and revealing little dress underneath. Not that anything would have probably been different if I'd been wearing shorts and a t-shirt anyway. However, because of my fun little outfit, I was feeling myself and being so stupid, taking selfies while I walked down the dark streets and listening to music with both headphones in, not paying any attention to my surroundings. I think I even sang as I was walking and... I got to my building after finishing my 10 minute walk from the train and walked up the steps to our apartment. We lived in a brownstone with apartments in it and ours was on the third floor. We had a gate at the bottom of the steps separating us from the sidewalk. I pulled out my headphones and began to fumble with my keys at the top of the steps. Just as I had found the correct key, still humming to myself and thinking about my great night, I heard the latch on the gate clank as if it were being opened. I turned around and I saw a man standing at the gate, staring at me. He was young, probably early 20s, wearing a grey hoodie with the hood up, covering part of his face. But I could see his eyes and immediately I knew that something was off because of just how blank yet nervous his expression was. One hand was on the handle of the gate as if he were about to open it completely, 
but stopped once I turned around. Somehow, my fight or flight instinct didn't kick in yet. It was probably the alcohol, I guess, but I cautiously called down, can I help you? And he didn't respond. I looked him over more closely and realized then that his other hand, the one not on the gate, was moving, fast, low, near his waist. I registered that he was actually touching himself, gasped, and within milliseconds, he was sprinting up the stairs behind me, reaching out his hand to grab me. My brain clicked into place and I started screaming at the top of my lungs as I jammed my key into the door and slammed it behind me. I ran up the stairs to my apartment screaming for my dad, not even stopping to make sure the door was locked, thinking that if he followed me upstairs, he'd soon be met by my very tall father and our very loud dogs too, who slept in the bedroom right next to our apartment door. But as I looked over my shoulder while tearing my way up the stairs, I saw his face pressed up against the glass window, still watching me, but now his eyes looked absolutely furious. I ran into our apartment, still screaming to my parents to call the police. My dad went downstairs and looked around, but by that time, he was gone. The police came anyways after my mum called and came upstairs to take my statement so that they could make their report. The two cops who showed up asked me to describe him. I did, and they said that they would cruise around looking for him, and regardless of if he was found, a detective would call me soon to make a more detailed report. But they never actually called me. There were many more sexual assaults and other assaults as well that continued to take place in my neighborhood for the rest of the summer even. And I shudder every time that I think about what would have happened if I hadn't taken out my headphones before I began unlocking that door that day. I don't know how long he was following me for and as far as I know he was never caught either. But from that point on, for those last few weeks before I left for college, I would call my dad and make him meet me at the train station so that he could walk me home safely. Now, as an adult too, I'm far more cautious than I was as a teenager. I'm always extra aware of my surroundings, especially at night, and I don't look at my phone while I walk home either. I don't think that I'll ever get the image of his blank stare as he lunged towards me out of my head and... I'll never forget the feeling of the pit of my stomach as I realized that he followed me home, watching me and touching himself like that, and was now waiting to strike. It was like being a deer realizing that it's being stalked by a tiger, because the tiger accidentally stepped on a twig and gave itself away right before it pounced on its prey. I was extremely lucky that night. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. 
Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So I feel like now that I'm 23 years old, male, and that I've grown up a bit, I'm starting to feel the gravity of many things that happened and have happened around me even. Being a curious person, I like to investigate things. I like to make my own theories around them. And yesterday morning, I started having this conversation with my mum about my theories on what dreams actually are and what science says about it. In the midst of that conversation, I suddenly recalled an incident that happened with her many years ago. My mum is not at all a, a person who likes to make things up. She's always really skeptical of superstitions and all that. And I know that if she claims that watching something with her own eyes, which freaked her out and almost froze her to death, that she is probably speaking the truth. It happened around 12 years ago. My family was going through financial crisis and we used to live in my maternal grandma's house back then. Recently, a thief had been sighted in the house who ran away in panic because of the fear of being caught. Many scary things were happening and we took them all seriously because they were causing all of our family a lot of stress. I didn't get to know exactly when and how, but one evening my mum told my grandma that she saw what she described as a hairy demon in the bathroom and almost froze to death seeing it. As I was a stupid 11 year old kid back then, I took it as a fun horror story and I just let it be. But when I recalled this incident yesterday, I decided to ask about the details with my mum. So I asked her to explain what the appearance of that thing was like. She told me that apparently it was sitting on the floor of our bathroom. She said that it looked like an early man was her words told me that it was so gigantic that when it stood up on its legs, he easily reached the ceiling. As she froze and started screaming for help from my dad, this creature took only a couple of really, really long strides and disappeared. But the strangest thing is that she says that she doesn't actually recall many of the details about how this thing actually disappeared. It's almost like she has a memory gap. I asked her why she calls this thing a demon and she said that because that's what her first guess was. I asked, so you mean to say that it looked like a caveman? She said, no, it wasn't a man or a human in the first place. A beast? I asked. In fact, she said that it had very long hair all over its body and the hair had a, a sort of soil-like color to it. And it was at this point, immediately my brain, for whatever reason, said, Bigfoot? Then I googled Bigfoot and showed her the images, and she said that it was very much of the same appearance as those images. To be honest, I really didn't know what to make of that. I was shocked to hear it. The thing is, too, is that I'm from India of all places, Nobody ever heard of any Bigfoot in India, let alone in an urban environment, and that too in one's bathroom of all places. 
As weird and illogical as this incident sounds, apparently my mum swears by it that it really happened. Again, my mum rarely believes in things like this and is always very serious towards stuff like this, so she's never really been attention-seeking or something like that. And this incident never helped her in any way either, so I can't really think of a reason why she would lie about it. In fact, she was facing so many more challenges in life that this incident was a fresh wound on already wounded skin, to be honest. But, I don't know... What do you guys think about this incident? How can one see a Bigfoot-like creature in one's own home, which then just disappears and is never seen again? Could it have been something else? Also, there's a little incident about how my grandma saw it too around the same time, which I'm not including here, but I don't want to make this super long and all that. But that obviously lends credence to my mum's story too. Anyway, thanks for listening and if you've got any thoughts to share then I would love to hear it. So my childhood best friend Mary and I were around 11 or 12 years old at the time. Mary's family had their own campsite in a provincial park about two hours from our own hometown and would spend the entire summer each year living in their camper out there. This particular summer, I was able to go and stay with them for a week, and we were pretty excited to spend our time adventuring throughout the forest. On the last night that I was there, we decided that we wanted to hurry down to the ice cream shop by the lake before it closed. It was early evening at this point, still pretty bright out but beginning to lose light. The path that we took was down a short slope right next to the main road with maybe 10 feet of thick brush and trees in between. On the other side was the forest and with more tall thick brush. So we were walking along, well, we didn't see a single other person on the path in front or behind us, but we hear a, a sudden rustling and snapping of branches, similar to the sound of maybe a deer moving through the woods. Quite honestly, I, I wouldn't have thought anything of it, but then the sound of running footsteps follows. Mary glances back and suddenly grabs my arm, urging me under her breath not to look back. At the same time, the running stops. I don't know why I didn't ignore her and get a good look myself, but I guess I could sense the, the very real fear in her voice, and I chose to listen. We both start to panic, though, getting that feeling like when you're running up the stairs after turning the basement light off. When we pick up speed as much as we can without breaking into a sprint, knowing that the ice cream shop is only about a minute walk away at this point. The path soon breaks and we're in the parking lot. Suddenly, Mary steers me hard to the left, heading towards the lake in the boat rental instead of continuing straight to the ice cream shop, and I go along with it silently, understanding ice cream is no longer an interest right now. Mary is clearly panicking at this point, we're both looking around, but it seems like whatever scared her is nowhere inside at this point. Mary walks up to the boat rental and gets us a kayak, and we climb in and begin to paddle out into the middle of the lake. As we paddle, she tells me that apparently there was a man behind us, and that the man had stopped running at us very abruptly upon making eye contact with her. He had been wearing a, a long black coat with the hood up, despite it being the middle of July, had a terrible smirk on his face and she swore that as he stopped running she saw him put something shiny away in his coat. He appeared to have just emerged out of the bushes after we walked past 
given the sounds that we heard right before he came running on the path too, I am pretty sure that she was telling the truth. We reach the center of the lake though and stop paddling. I pull out my Nokia brick phone that my parents had, thank God, given me, just in case, and I hand it to Mary and tell her to call her parents to come and pick us up. As the phone rings, I see her look out past me to the shore and go pale, then lifting a hand to point out what she was seeing. I turn and there was the man, stalking his way around the path that circled the edge of the lake, staring out at us. We sat in the middle of the lake and watched him do two full laps, never looking away from us, before finally disappearing. It took a few tries to get a hold of her family. We were just freaking out so bad the whole time, as the sun got lower and lower as well. But eventually, we did manage to have someone come with the truck. But by that time we reached the shore, it was pretty dark outside. And to be honest, I really don't know what we would have done if we hadn't have been able to call for a ride that day. Looking back, I don't know why we didn't just go to the ice cream shop in the end, inform an adult there and ask her parents to come and get us. But whatever the case, it worked out for the best in the end and we got back safe. And thankfully, we never saw that man again. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. So about 12 years ago, I was 9 years old and I was home alone with my 12 year old brother. We were supposed to go to my aunt's house to have lunch and wait for my mother there. We always did that because we were too young to stay home alone according to my mum. So we got up at 10.30am, I took a shower and my brother. After that we were both in the bathroom brushing our teeth and finishing up when we heard someone knocking on our door. Since every time someone knocked at our door, they turned out to be a salesman or probably a Jehovah's Witness, we kind of waited for them to just go away. And after a couple of minutes, I went to see if they were still outside through the window, but nobody was there, which was a huge relief for us. We continued getting ready when we saw a shadow go by through the bathroom window, which was kind of like a small square made with that kind of glass that makes everything behind it really blurry. We waited and saw in case it was just a bird flying by, but then a hand hit it, clear as day. 
We got scared. We really didn't know what to do. My brother had his cell phone, so he immediately called the police, though. And while it was ringing, we heard a loud bang at the door. Someone was brute forcing it. I don't know if they were kicking it or ramming it or what, but it was one of the most frightening things that I had ever heard. My brother told me to lock the bathroom door, so I did. It took five bangs before the perpetrator finally bashed open the door. Then the police answered, and I remember the exact thing my brother said. He was whispering. His voice could barely be heard, but he said, Hello, there's someone in our house, and I think they're stealing. Then there was a pause. We're at, and he gave our address. There was another pause. I'm with my little brother locked in our bathroom. Please hurry. While all that was happening, I was sitting against the wall hugging my knees and it was one of the most nerve-wracking experiences ever. I could hear this man going through all of our stuff, emptying stands, going up and down the stairs, opening cabinets. He even broke a few cups and plates, don't know why. Then I heard the sound my cell phone does when it turns off and I remembered leaving it on the kitchen table. I felt so stupid for leaving it there to be honest but... Things continued for a couple of minutes when we heard him trying to open the door to the bathroom. My brother got a hold of a big metal rod that we had lying around there. He started kicking the door. Who's there? The man screamed and we didn't say anything. There was another kick, then another one. I felt like I was about to have an anxiety attack. My chest started to ache and I had chills and was really hot. I tried to remain calm but it was just too much. After that though, he stopped, we heard the door opening and then there was silence. We waited for almost 10 minutes before going out of the bathroom and the living room was just a total mess. Lots of papers and books on the floor, the cabinets were open, cups and plates on the floor. In our mother's bedroom, the nightstand and the closet were open and everything inside them was all over the place. Upstairs in our room, it was the same thing. In about five minutes, the man was able to go through everything that we had and left a, a total mess. After that, my brother called my mum and she ordered us to go to my aunt's ASAP, so we did. When we got there, I was a little bit more relaxed. My aunt was waiting for us with ice cream, probably because my mum told her everything and she wanted to calm us down a bit. We went back home at about five o'clock in the afternoon and my mum told her boss that she had a, a home emergency so she left early. She tidied up the house, cleaned up and left everything the way that it was before so that we could relax. I really appreciated her effort and my aunts too to calm us down and do everything so that we didn't have to think about it. According to my mum, the police got home after she arrived at three o'clock, four hours after the incident mind you. She explained everything, but because of a lack of evidence, nothing could really be done. The man was never caught, and honestly, I, I don't even think they even tried to search for him. The next few days, though, my mum was home with us, and yeah, I tell the story these days as a, a bit of a funny anecdote, I guess. Luckily, no one was hurt, and he only took use of stuff in the end, but at the time, I was really scared. To be a nine-year-old and have an experience like that can have really serious repercussions. I'm lucky it never came to that and I got over that after a couple of weeks, but yeah, it's something that I'll never forget, that much is for sure.
Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. This takes place back in early 2017. I had recently moved from a major city to a small town in the Midwest to get myself together and separate myself from bad habits that I had developed. Previously, I'd been living on the West Coast and worked for a couple who were pot farmers, just trimming their weed for one season with a a few other trimmers. Nothing major stuck out to me other than the guy, mid-thirties, was a total jerk and super protective of his weed. And his girlfriend was someone that I wouldn't normally get along with, but she was okay. In any case, I trimmed their weed that season and they paid me a portion up front. They, or he I should say, said the rest would come after he sold a few pounds of whatever, because that was just how the business went. They did end up paying me within a few weeks, so all was good with me in the end. However, the man here kept texting me after I moved mid-country with random, hey, how are you doings sort of thing. I never liked the guy, got bad vibes from the get-go, and... His wife or girlfriend was a friend of a close friend, so I sort of gave them the benefit of the doubt, I guess. Anyway, the wife or girlfriend started messaging me via text nearing spring after I'd worked for them trimming weed that fall season, asking if I would be available to house it for them while they were on vacation out of the country. At this point, I was living in Colorado and the farm was in California. I didn't have a permanent job set up yet and they were offering good money to house it plus some extra money trimming weed that they had left over from the season. Stupidly, I drove my butt 17 hours with dollar signs in my eyes and all the hell that was from there. I would like to share a lot of details but the gist of it is that someone was at their house the entire time that I was house-sitting. I'll try and set up the scenario for you as best as I can but... They have a full house with a gardener's quarters attached to their main house. There's a one bedroom and a bathroom, an electric stove, kettle or kitchen area in the gardener's bedroom. There's also a doorway from this area into the main house, blocked by a bookshelf on my side. When they invited me to stay and house it, they were there for two to three days and part of their stay included drilling the door shut on the opposite side so that I could not enter their house. To be honest, that did not bother me and I honestly understood why they block up their house like that, but things got really weird afterwards. So, I'd been there alone for a few days, just trimming weed, walking the dogs, filling the hummingbird feeders, watching the house like I was supposed to. Honestly, this house was out in the middle of nowhere anyway, so I don't even think anyone would have come there anyway. But the girlfriend or wife would call from Morocco every so often to check up on me. I thought that everything was fine to be honest. Until I started to hear water running from the kitchen inside of the house. The part of the house that I had no access to but was directly connected to. I immediately called the couple or texted them maybe and told them that I could hear someone in their house. Their response was literally, it's none of your concern what you hear on the other side of the wall. This really turned my stomach. 
I was in the middle of nowhere, locked by a gate on their property, hired to house it, and all of a sudden it was not my concern if someone was inside of their house. It freaked me out, and I still had two more weeks to be at this place, without phone service too, and I was properly freaked out at this point. Over the next few days though, I would feel scared and calm in waves. At one point, I was sitting outside with the dogs and they all ran up to the side of the house wagging their tails like they were greeting someone and I heard a very quiet shush and footsteps patter off. I continued to hear the TV and microwave water running from the main part of the house. The language the girl or wife was using with me via text was too personal in regard to what I was doing. I mean, sure, they could have had a camera installed although I scorched the room for any devices, but the sounds and even the dogs reacting to what I heard was enough for me. Once I realized that I was house-sitting, but also being spied on in some weird way, I started to have some fun with it. I don't know if I figured that I was going to die anyway, or that if maybe I acted crazy enough, they wouldn't want me for whatever their purposes were, but one night... I was out in the small porch, steps, having a very late cigarette. It had to be 11 to midnight and I could hear someone walking around the perimeter of the house. So I stood up, opened the door to the gardener's quarters and closed the door as if I had walked back inside. But I just opened the door and closed it to give that impression. Keeping my position with the cigarette on the porch that is. Immediately, someone walked from the side of the house because they thought that I went inside noticed me, and then ran into the woods. In my mind, I set up a tiny trap to see if I was just delusional and it proved that I wasn't. So I started doing crazy, dumb stuff because I was alone. Nothing too wild. I just blasted Backstreet Boys, set up their garage cans like a drum set, and walked around topless. Honestly, I thought that if these people were crazy enough to watch me while I house-sat for them, I had to do something more ridiculous to push them away. Maybe that doesn't make sense to you, but I can't help but reference the Hey Arnold episode where a bully is after him and he says, Don't hit me. I'll hit me. I'm crazy. Anyway, the couple finally came back to their house from Morocco and acted like they didn't want to pay me. They did after some pulling and tugging, but man... Don't ever go house-sit and not really know the people you're house-sitting for in the Emerald Triangle like I did. Or just don't even go there at all as it's genuinely a, a really shady business. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. 
Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.